Have, you ever, they actually- have you ever used Zug Zug? No, have you? Oh my god, you have! What the? What? Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the hijinks. I've got a trig midterm tomorrow and I'm being chased by Guido, the killer pimp. The opportunities. I bet you slice into the woods a hundred bucks. Gambling is illegal at Bushwood, sir, and I never slice. And the wisdom. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? Ah, another trip to the lair to help Spearsy with a podcast. Boy, I never get tired of talking about this out loud to myself. Answer the door, moron. It's daily. Ah, it's not even locked. All right, it's officially his fault if I drink all his booze while he's away. Spearsy, what the hell? Were you going to answer the door or what? Ugh. Go away. Watching DVDs. What? I'm here to help. I haven't brought the little Smokies. What are you watching? Some Julie Andrews movie. Just just go away. Wait a minute. Is that SOB? Are you just sitting there waiting for the Mary Poppins booby scene? Uh, no. Hang on. Let me see that DVD case. Here you go, Daly. I'm going to pour myself another wild turkey. Dude, you're actually watching the real Mary Poppins movie. Yeah, so what? Dude, that was a figure of speech. You realize Julie Andrews only gets topless in SOB, right? Now I do. What'd you think when you saw Dick Van Dyke dancing with penguins? Uh, that Blake Edwards had lost his mind or something? Ah, dude, you need to lay off the booze. Let's watch something else. Here, this one. I think Stallone shows his ass in this one. Perfect. Welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears with TampaBay.com. And today, we honor the movie busts of 1981. I would have to say that in my humble opinion, you've got a terrific pair of knockers. Hey. With me as always, he's the Pele to my Max von Sydow, Times pop music critic Sean Daly. Ah, yes. Another illustrious franchise in the Stuck in the 80s pantheon. <laughs> so epic. So epic. That it's been approximately two years since our last installment. <laughs> is, that, is that true? No. It's been, um, it's been a long time. Explain to the masses. Wasn't it Biggest Bust? Wasn't that originally? That was our joke. Biggest Bust of the year. Right, right. There's yeah. only so many booby jokes we can do. <laughs> no, there's, there's not. We got a lot more on this show. <laughs> I've got to show my boobies. <laughs> um, explain to the people the rules. The rules of this uh, epic series, part two, is that uh, we're going to examine movies that uh, from a specific year... That were maybe critical or uh, box office disappointments, but that we still kind of love anyway. Yeah, and they had a certain aura, a certain allure, right? Usually they- of the skinematic <laughs> nature. <laughs> Only one of these is really uh, skinematic. Well, for example, 1980, we did what? Urban Cowboy? Yes, bust. Uh, Popeye? I don't even know. <laughs> I, I think we did Popeye, did right? We did Popeye. Uh, wasn't, that, Jones that here? Wasn't, wasn't Tom Jones here and like he defended Popeye? Maybe I'm putting words in his mouth. Yeah. 
Yeah. He is. He loved. He loves the I, olive oil. He had a thing for Shelley Duvall. That's right. Nobody, well, we has, have another- nobody has a thing for Shelley Duvall. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Has there ever been like a hot Shelley Duvall? She's terrifying in The Shining. I don't know. Has there ever been like a no. good? Wasn't she? Like, yeah. Hold on. She. There was a movie where she was like a bad girl. I can't remember what it is. Somebody will will, will answer that. Are but there, one of her first there... roles, she was like a wispy. She might have been a Call Girl. Maybe I've created this in my head. <laughs> Let's begin, shall we? Okay. Are you ready then? The first movie bust of 1981. Atuk Alundalana. Yeah. Lana Alunda Tonda. Tonda Alunda Lana. Atuk. Tonda. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Caveman. Yes, I watched this the other night. I actually did my homework for this show. When your homework involves watching movies, that's about the extent I can expect from you. I know, I know. But I did, and I remember for all three of these movies that we're going to do today, um, as you know, I'd like to say they are ingrained in my DNA. And it's bizarre. I think I think Caveman I watched because I was actually amused by it when I you know cable first started and all three of these were like big cable like boom 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 oh sure know. yeah early H- days of HBO shows yeah right. when they didn't have a ton of huge libraries just over 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 again so all three of these I remember like little scenes like I could tell you this is about to happen this is about to happen Barbara Bach and Caveman is about to get thrown in poop you know <laughs> or like the little lizard was gonna like you know wear a hat. You know, so, um, but cave in, but watching the, them again, I can, I can honestly say I, I had a little trouble with all three, but caveman has some pretty good laughs. Yeah, I mean, caveman's one of those movies I try to put it on every time I'm drinking, and you're like, this will be funny when you're drunk. It's not, no, it's really only funny when you're sober. <laughs> um, borderline. It's it obviously stars Ringo Starr as, um, Atuk, Atuk, set in one zillion BC on October 9th. Apparently, I think that's John Lennon's birthday, John Lennon's and he birthday, and John yeah. Lennon had just been assassinated just previous to the, the release of this movie, uh, five months, I believe. And um, so, this is the movie where uh, Ringo Starr meets Barbara Bach, fall madly in love, and uh, live you, happily ever after, which is kind of ironic because that's the opposite of the movie's plot. Barbara Bach is so incredibly like stunning; like every part of her is beautiful. And if you, when you're first watching it, you know, and the whole premise is a took. Is trying to. I like how you pronounce it in the original caveman dialect. <laughs> Atuk is trying to seduce Lana, who is with Tonda, John Matusak, you know? But it's funny because I'm like, wow, Ringo really married up. You know, yeah, how did Ringo land Barbara Bach? And then I remembered, oh, yeah, he's a beetle. When you're a beetle, you can do whatever you want. We should break into sorrow. When you're a beetle. <laughs> How come that's like when you're stuck in the 80s guy, you can do whatever you want. Look at him today. I mean, obviously, they're not the two who are dead. But, I mean, doesn't Ringo pretty much look the best of all of them at this point? I mean, Paul Paul McCartney is... Yeah, because Ringo has the facial hair to kind of cover it up. He's always wearing those specs. He's a a good-looking guy. Being stuck in the 80s, what's our, you know, what do we get? You know, what does stuck in the 80s go? We have the Spearsettes. We don't have the Spearsettes anymore. That's so (laughs) ancient They're now a chorus line. We get free Funyuns from Brad Williams. That's true. That's we do get really Brad does send us free popcorn. Funyuns. And popcorn from Robert Jordan. Right? And hopefully someday crab cakes from a loyal fan in yeah. Baltimore. But we'll get back to that later. The whole point, I think, of Caveman is, um, you're right, it's, it's this movie that, it's got special effects that are straight out of the 1960s. Yes, the claymation. Yeah. Right. And, um, 
you know, this is prior to anyone actually having a budget. I mean, who's going to blow a budget on Caveman? Well, it's got ni- so it's ninety minutes long. This movie, uh, no, except for the one, <laughs> maybe including credits, I except mean, for the one, uh, the Asian character who speaks English. You perfect know, perfect English. Yeah. Um, the, the whole, all the dialogue is is Caveman language. Olunda, love, Bobo, friend, zug zug, sex. You know, have, have, you, ever they used, actually, have you ever used zug zug? No, have you? Oh my God! You have what the what? It wasn't my no. I was I was eleven when this. So you were fifteen. So you're not really having zug zug when you're fifteen. More like zug. <laughs> but uh, uh, party one, some, some party rubba, zug. rubba zug zug. Yeah. But uh, you know when, they, when this movie came out in theaters, they actually handed out pamphlets to the audience, and um, on the pamphlet was like thirty caveman words translated. So they could kind of follow along. That's cute. Which no, I mean, it's I don't pretty, think you really need, but it's a rather ambitious movie. I mean, the whole plot, you know, there's no dialogue and there's no like wild plot. They just kind of wander around, and a toque wants Lana, so that's the whole thing. And the joke is that they discover fire, they discover music, you know, language, marijuana, all, marijuana. You know, there's a nice drug joke in there. You know, I, I don't know. I, you know, I should have showed it to to. Um, you know my eighteen children, and see see what they thought. You know they might like it. It might be kind of fun for kids. Yeah, I mean poop jokes go over well with yeah. the under ten set. Dennis Quaid is in it as Lar. Here's a good question about Dennis Quaid. Aside from the right stuff, has Dennis Quaid ever really had a movie that was that matched his talent? Well, wasn't he in? Um, I mean, a really good movie. I mean, Enemy like, Mine. Yeah. I, again, I I. I re- I restated a really good movie. A really good movie. I mean, good the right Dennis. stuff. He's the rookie. Oh come on, that's not a really good movie. Uh, Parent Trap. Oh Jesus. Um, oh, he was Jerry Lee Lewis. Great Balls of Fire. Oh, that's awful. Yeah, it's that's not great. Real, that's horrible. He, he has to have had like a great movie. He is out under. There, right? He is underperformed. Or, or he's got. He's got the inner space. Yeah, but still, it's kind of cute. But I yeah. mean, still, I mean, aside from the right stuff, and and certainly not Caveman. Uh, Dennis Quaid just has this the worst luck picking movies. You Breaking got, Away. Oh, there you go. Breaking Away is an awesome oh, movie. It's an incredible the movie. Cutters. Oh my, where, how could I have forgotten? Are you refund? Uh, are you yeah, refund Paul Dooley? <laughs> refund. Anyway, so Caveman's fun. Go out and see it if you haven't, you know, Shelley Long's in it. Uh, I ask you, Shelley Shelley Long, yes or no? Yes. Yeah. In this movie. In this movie. In Cheers, no. <laughs> really? But but in uh, what's the movie um with Henry Winkler and uh, Night Shift, she Night plays Shift. a prostitute. Of course, yeah. she looks good in that. So, if, so if, if you met a prostitute that looked like uh, Shirley Long, you do her. What year was Night Shift? I say eighty three or Genius. something like that. Yeah, that better God. not show up on one of these lists. No, that's one of my list of most beloved. Uh, and amazingly, uh, Caveman available on DVD. Yes, it looked pretty uh, good. Don't hold your breath for the Blu-ray. <laughs> Are you ready for our next movie? Yeah. Oh, here you go, Spearsy. It's your favorite. The list of 1981 movie busts marches on. It's no use. I can't do it. I thought I could, but I just cannot. Sally. No, Cully. Sweetheart, will you no, please? No, Felix. No, no, no. There is no way in God's earth that I'm going to bear my heart out there on that but stage. Sally. I thought I could. You can. You can. My mind. 
mind says yes, but my body says no. No, I know what it means to the film. I know it means that I, I'm not being a trooper and things like that, but I, it's out of my hands. I'm helpless. Sally will clear everybody off the soundstage. It won't help. It's just one shot. We will set the lights, turn the camera, everybody will leave. No. What about the guy in the jack-in-the-box? We'll blindfold him. Nobody will see. My public will see. My children will see. It will be R-rated. They won't even let them in. But they'll know. Don't you care if they know? God, Felix, they're your children, too. Sophia Loren has children. I hear she's a wonderful mother. She would never do anything to hurt our children. And God knows the public has seen her. Oh, I know. S-O-B. Now, let me tell you about S-O-B. So I'm 11, 12 years old when I first get cable. And I've talked about this before. And the little cable guides, remember, they were small, like little pamphlets. We talk about this every show, but go on. That's okay. And you'd go in the back, and there'd be like, you know, you'd look for like the adult situations or brief nudity or something like that. And I remember SOB had was just like drug use. Yeah, right across the board. It hits for the cycle. And it's amazing... And it just shows how dedicated I was to masturbating back then. That I would stay up till two in the morning, exhausted, to watch SOB. And why? I must have watched it. I knew everything, Spears. I knew every line. I knew like when people get barfed on and shot. I knew everything that was coming, which means I'd watch that at least ten times. Not for the sheer enjoyment <laughs> factor, because there is none. Because I'll tell you right now, SOB. Basically about this extremely successful producer, Richard Mulligan, who has his first uh, total flop, biggest flop in movie history. And he has a nervous breakdown. And his wife is Julie Andrews, who is basically Julie Andrews in the movie, like, you know, Mary Poppins type. Julie Andrews always plays herself. Yeah, and it's this huge flop, and she leaves him. He tries to kill himself, you know. Um, And then he gets this idea to have uh, Mary Poppins essentially show her boobies in this movie, a recut of the movie where it's now almost like a softcore porn, and the movie turns out to be a big success. And through it all, it has to have, SOB has to have 4,000 characters in it. Yeah, And it is so Hollywood navel-gazing, but not even Hollywood so much actors and actresses, but like the inner workings of like finance and producers. Oh my gosh, I can't imagine. And the only, and it's funny because life imitates art here. Sorry, I want my SOB kick. Because the whole pitch of Bruce uh, Blake Edwards, the director, who's done some amazing movies, but the whole pitch was Julie Andrews is going to show her, her right. bazoom. It really comes down to one one plot point. So Nightwind, which is the fictional it's movie a great name. SOB. Nightwind, I know. Uh, is essentially the same as SOB. And it's so, like, you know, Robert Preston's in it, and he plays this, you know, drug pill-popping doctor, and he's, like, the, he's great. And Robert Preston's great in everything. He just know? plays himself He's always it. Robert Preston, whether it's Last Starfighter, SOB, or Victor, Victor Victoria. Victoria yeah. um, here's, here's, here's a question. When, when this came out, SOB, did your parents try to explain to you what SOB was? I mean, there used to be so many explanations what what SOB meant back then. Now, my parents told me that SOB stood for short of breath. Really? Yeah. That's cute. That's nice. They're trying to protect your... Yeah. Uh, for the longest time, innocence. people would go around saying, you SOB. And I'd be like, what? I'm fine. But, That's funny. But, you know, son of a bitch, obviously. Or, in this case, standard operational bullshit. Right. And um, it was one of those weird movies. That I, I know my parents know that I watched it because, obviously, they went to the trouble of lying to me. About what SOB meant, <laughs> you would think that they would go to the 
the, the, the trouble of preventing me from seeing Mary Poppins' boobies. But right. for some reason, the SOB bothered them more. Well, it wasn't so much Mary Poppins' boobies that titillated me, you know? Um, but it was that, like, there's that orgy scene. And I was like, I'm like, what is this? No, because at that point, had anyone explained what an orgy was to no, you? I was like, no, I, I was like, I can't. Like, do these you exist? can have more than one at the right. time? But it's weird people in the orgy. And I love William Holden is like the the dirty old man. You know, he picks up the hitchhikers, and there's that weird, really ugly, mean thread of the um, the dead guy. The guy has a heart attack on a beach. Remember. Yeah, yeah. And the dog, and his body just keeps washing up, and people step over it. The dog's barking, and I forget how it's tethered to the rest of the story at the end. I think, you know, barely tethered. It's it's one of those movies that, I, personally, I mean, you watched it start to finish the other day. I haven't seen it start to finish probably since I was 10 or whatever. But, um, I mean, I know if it comes on, it never comes on cable now. It's available on DVD. Um, but I mean, I, I, I gotta admit, I turn it off after the after the boobage. It's a turgid two hours, and I think the boobage comes. So <laughs> I think I want to say the boobage comes at about the minute thirty five. You got to wait about an hour and a half. Boobs, and then Richard Mulligan and I. There's a spoiler coming up, but Richard Mulligan gets shot. Like this whole comedy, and then you see this bloody shooting. And then they have this whole Viking funeral for him, and it's this odd, like ambiguous ending. It's so bizarre. It's so bloated and just Hollywood being in love with it itself. The the only reason that it got made is because Julie Andrews shows her knockers. Yeah. And Blake Edwards had a lot of pull. And it has a huge cast. I mean, Shelley Winters is in it. Yeah. Well, let me um, ask you this. Richard Mulligan, um, interesting guy. Does he get his due for his work? I mean, over the years, I mean, he just, no one talked. He's been dead now for 12 years. He, he died of cancer in 2000. Um, when you think of Richard Mulligan, I think of two things. I think of soap. Yeah. And I think of Empty Nest. Right. But, I mean, it's just, I feel... You think of Empty Nest because Christy McNichol is in yeah, it, right? Yeah. Shameless. I know. But still, I, Richard Mulligan is one of those kind of guys that kind of deserved maybe a little bit more than he got. Well, was it's like, um, what's his name, too? Uh, was it Ted Knight? Yeah, but Ted Knight. I mean, people love Ted Knight for Mary Tyler Moore. But he was I mean, great in Caddyshack, and he, you know, he died relatively young. I mean, there were, there, but there are yeah. great. But these are character actors, comedic character. Yeah, actors. I mean, it must have, it must. I mean, I would love. I mean, granted, hey, I would, I would exchange my life right now to be a uh, a Richard Mulligan. You know, to have that kind of success as a comedic yeah. comedy uh, you know, character Mulligan, actor. You know, tall, very. But, but at um, the same point, I also kind of feel like I kind of would love to get into the mind of some of these guys and say, "Is this what? You, is this what you wanted? You know, is this what?" You were gunning for? Are you are you happy? I mean, to pull the Steve Perry line on everybody, is this what makes you happy? God, yeah. But um, well, Mulligan is rubber faced. You know, he's great at mugging. He shouts. Um, he always had a pretty like. Uh, he was almost like a, a precursor to Jim Carrey a little bit. Since some of his mannerisms, the more I think yeah. about it, that whole scene where he's like, you know. He does. He has a he's lanky, crazy, weird lanky, body. Lanky, weird body, and he would like you know his voice would yelp and go up. I mean, you watch that scene where he's trying to convince Julie Andrews to you know her, his wife to to show her boobs, and he's just like I mean, it's like you can't take your eyes off him. I mean, this pure eruptive energy from Richard Mulligan is uh, it's pretty impressive. But again. I can't, you know, some of that movie just cringes, and I wonder, like, as they were making it, they probably had a blast making it. You know, all these buddies and all these niggas. But I think that you wonder if, like, God, this is... Yeah. This well, is Blake Edwards, I bet, I bet in general, I bet Blake working on a Blake Edwards movie was, was not hard work. Um, 
the reception of this movie was 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 really sharply divided. Um, the screenplay was nominated for both a, uh, a Writers Guild Award for Best Comedy and a Razzie for Worst Screenplay. Oh wow! Um, it also got a, a, a Razzie for uh, the director and a Golden Globe Award for Best uh, Musical Again, Comedy. But that's that's Hollywood. Like sometimes Hollywood loves itself. That's why Hollywood keeps pumping out movies that are made about Hollywood and they do crap. I mean, how many of those are really really good? You have you know, um, what's that? The Player. Altman, yeah, it's you know, tough to do a movie. Sunset Boulevard, where you, you wrap know? your arms around yourself and have people. Actually a lot of times, enjoy a middle America and the rest of America, they don't really give a crap about it, you know. And of probably all the three movies on on this week's list, this is the hardest one to maybe love today. Yeah, it's so dated. Yeah, I mean, it feels like 1978 even. But our last movie, Steve, I would say that it's easier to love this movie uh, more today than it was all those years ago. Let's find out for sure. The last movie on today's Movie Busts of 1981. How would you like to play a game against a team from the Vienna? A team from the army base nearby. What for? Settle the war? Unfortunately, no. Let's say for morale. Yours or ours? For both. Life in this place must be very boring. What sort of team? Are they any good? I haven't chosen a team. It's just an idea. It's not an order. You can't make us play. No, it's a challenge. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you victory. Victoire. Victoire. Also known as Escape to Victory. Uh, a lot of places outside the U.S. Uh, it was simply known as Victory. 1981 movie about allied prisoners of war forced, um, as they say, to play a soccer game against the German national team. And I loved this movie from the moment I saw it. I saw it in the theater. I um, To this day, anytime it comes on, I'm, I'm sitting there watching the end of it. I do own it on DVD. I watch it probably once every six months. And um, what makes this movie so great to me is that uh, it includes... Do you cry? It's could really this, a crying could, scene could, in this. Could this be an, uh, an entrance into... Uh... Oh, it's a happy ending. Nobody... Is, I guess it's happy because everyone just kind of rushes out. Yeah, yeah. Do they escape? Are we to believe they escape? That? Yeah, yeah. So the whole point is that um, Sylvester Stallone, Michael Caine, Pele, and and a host of other internationally really well known soccer players at the time are all confined in a prisoner of war camp in Steve, uh, World War II. Steve, can you tell me if this movie was a lot more successful internationally than it was in the U.S.? No, I can't. Thank you for asking. But, but I bet it was. I bet it was because at the time, well, Pele became, you know, he was on uh, kind of, oh, the New York Cosmos, right? So he came over here and there was some, uh, yeah, there's some soccer, soccer field. Pele was known. But still, I mean, it was like, you know, there's right. still that disconnect. There's, I mean, now I guess, you know, a little bit more with World Cup and such, but soccer is still a bit of a bastard sport around here. Even yeah. though we all play it when we're kids, we all play it. Yeah, badly. But I mean, did you play? Did you play soccer when you were a kid? Oh yeah, I I scored the first goal in Camp Hill High School soccer history. That's how you remembered. I'm sure that never happened. What? I I swear to God, we started a team. It was never there. This guy came in. This coach. I remember Brian Blank. I swear to God, I scored the first goal. Who are you playing against? The YMCA or something? Come on. That is crap. That's one of my highlights. And you're, 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 you're defacing one of the highlights of my life. Seven years. I've never heard this story. Yes, you have. 
Everyone who knows me has heard it over and over again. We heard the Skippy story. We heard no, how you were on the tennis team. So I scored the first Rob goal in Campbell Rains. High School. And I was, here's my thing. I was center halfback. But, you know, even then I was carrying around a couple extra LBs. So center halfback, if you know, the, I, you got to run up and down. You got to play Just, defense and offense. So I was like, <gasps> but I had a good foot, you know, and I was tall. I was big. Shut up. Stop rolling your eyes at me. So anyway, our coach was Brian Blank, this like semi-pro or something like that. And I scored the goal from pretty far out over the goalie's head. And then as I scored, I was so shocked that I scored the first goal in Camp Hill High School soccer history. Check the books. Um, I didn't smile. And I ran back, look really like stealing. Like I was like Drago and like, you know, Rocky Four. Like I wasn't smiling. Like, like I, was, I was some sort of like soccer assassin. And the coach was like, smile, god damn it. Smile right now. And I was like, hee hee. You know, and so I, I turned on my, I, I turned on the, the grin. Wait a minute. Is this one of those soccer games where it doesn't end until everyone scores a goal? Like Little League? It's high school, man. I can't Marcy. imagine having a foot. What are you talking? I was a great. I played traveling. I played for like most of the years of my life. I played soccer for like fifteen years. Oh no, this is really. Yeah, seriously? I played tennis. They called me the snake. <laughs> they did. They called me the snake in tennis. I was number four singles, number two doubles. I had no backhand. Then your mom moved you out to California, and it turns out that the boys <laughs> in the school started picking on you. So you learned you karate from the guy who was the maintenance Screw guy. You, Spearsy for 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 pissing on my life. You know what? No, no, seriously. Back to victory for a second, because this is an nah, important movie. We're you. spending time on it. Sylvester Stallone, such a prima donna uh, during the filming of this movie that he actually at one point insisted that his character score the winning, uh, the game-winning goal in the film, even though... He was a goalie? He was a goalie. <laughs> it, took, it took the, um, the non-American crew who actually understood soccer quite a while to explain to him that there's no possible way that the goalie is scoring the, go- the game-winning goal... And so they kind of compromised and let him be the goalie who stops the game-winning goal. Thus, the game ends in a tie, which to the allies who were set up in the first place to lose because the referees are crooked and the whole nine yards, a tie becomes a victory, leading the crowd to chant, Victoire! Victoire! I remember there's that scene at the end where Max von Sydow, the, the, the enemy... You know, is rooting, you know, against the Allies. And Pele does a bicycle kick, correct? Which is his signature goal. His signature move, bicycle kick. And I don't know how many times they replay it, you know, super slow-mo. And it's like so, it's almost like soccer porn, you know, the way. And it's like, and then Bonsaito, of course, gets up. And in the silence, he claps, you know. For the opposing team, right? All all his because German buddies are looking soccer at soccer, and he appreciates the right. beauty of what Pele has done. But I remember watching that, thinking this is a little homoerotic. Like even back then, I'm like oh, this is a little. Odd. No, I might have felt a tingle too. You know, I'm that like, was that was your foot. I'm sure that was tingling <laughs> after winning that. Uh, I could not do a bicycle kick. Nobody can. The um, if you look through the movie, um, almost all the characters in it at one point get to show off their signature move. So the little moves here and there that you'll see, like where the guy flips it with the with the, his heel and it goes over his head, yeah. that's his signature move. I could sometimes do that. You know, I could. I could do that. There's no way you could yes, do that. Yes, no, I could. I even know how to set up for it. I go through my legs, you know, do the side kick. Man, I was good. I'm telling you. 
Why do you gotta? Why do you have to? You know what? I'm not, I'm not, you know what, Spearsy? You like me in a little box. You like me in a little box. The, the Sean you can understand. I branch out. I let you out of your box. I'm like, oh, you like to referee football. That's the one That's thing you cool. let me have. Oh my god! You just said that like you were really angry with and me. I, and I'm probably. And Wait, I'm what probably, else do you want me to give I'm, you? It's probably huh? over for me. That you know every word of Tron. Is that what you want? You know what I want from you? The, the Seggies. Ah, the mystical refrain of reader mailbag. And uh, this week's issue is a little different. Um, some people might recall that last show we had a little bit of a dust-up about crab cakes. Huge dust-up. Where I called them the bologna sandwich of seafood. <laughs> which is a great line. Uh, that's wrong. Which, which is totally true. And and we didn't ask people to comment or, or to weigh in, but they did. Oh, awesome. The so, bag was full. So I so I, I pulled just a few comments out, and I'll ask Sean to read them for you. Yes. A lot of people uh, weighed in. We took some of our best ones. Mike Fairman of Loganville, Georgia says, Crab cakes, I find them delicious, but can't get over the idea that they are the scrapple of the sea. <laughs> I don't know if he's agreeing with you or agreeing with me there. Uh, a little bit of both. I think. Uh, Roop from Tacoma Park, Maryland says, I like Maryland crab cakes. Sean, can I have Spearsies? Yes, Roop, you can. They're really expensive, aren't they, though? Well, it depends. Because I was going to order some as a surprise to you. No, we go to Publix, which is the grocery chain in, in Florida, and you're like, here, Phillips, frozen crab cakes. These are fine. I'm like, dude, it's clammy. It's not, there's probably not even real crab there. You're like, what does it matter? I went and I bought lump crab meat for you the other night with some Old Bay, a little bit of mayonnaise, and this beautiful sourdough roll, and you refused to eat it. I, it was very You said grimy. you're not hungry. I wasn't. That's crap. Crap cake. Crash from Long Beach says, I have to say I agree with Steve about crab cakes. That's because you're from Long Beach. You're across the United sure, they States. Have crab. They have Dungeness crab there, right? Dungeness smunginess. Don't give me your Dungeness crab. I hear it's delicious. I hear it's delicious. I like snow crab, but it's not the same thing. We're talking a blue crab. That's how you make a crab cake. You don't make a crab cake out of Dungeness crabs or or, or snow crabs or king crabs. No, blue crabs. Why? The the lump meat adheres. (laughs) A little mustard. You know what? Go ahead. Keep reading. Michelle Williams of Hanover, PA says, listening to the crab cake debate, and I I have to agree with both of you. Interesting. I'm not fond of seafood in general, so I don't eat crab cakes anyway. But if you're going to eat them, go to Maryland. Chesapeake Bay is the greatest place for crab in the world. All right. Michelle's trying to uh, broker a, a peace treaty between us. Uh, Lou Grilly of uh, uh, St. Petersburg. Sweet Lou. Lou says, I have a good friend from Maryland, specifically Ellicott City, for Sean's benefit. That's right next to Columbia, Maryland. Uh, she and I have had the same discussion that the only crab cakes that should ever be eaten come from Maryland. I tried to get her to like one of the one, one of the ones from Backfin Blue in Gulfport, Florida, but she said I had to try one at GNM. So the next time I flew into BWI, I headed straight to GNM on the airport perimeter. Exactly, it's Lincecum, Maryland, right by uh, Baltimore Washington International. And Lou said, "Yeah, I guess it was a decent crab cake." But really, you Maryland people need to get over it and learn to enjoy Florida food like grouper and key lime pie. Ha! Oh, shut up. I've never seen you eat grouper in your life. I eat grouper every day. Every day. Why don't you tell the kids what your new food obsession is real quick? Italian ices. <laughs> I got to say, so you know, Spears and I sit together, and uh, I, I've, been, I've been a little down the dumps lately, a little blue, and uh, Spears is like, I got a recipe to cheer you up. 
go read a book in the Italian ice. I'm like, what? I'm like, I thought someone had like hacked your phone, you know? <laughs> and then today I get this unprompted, these messages over and over of like your love of Italian ice. Yeah. And how they, they curb your bad habits. Yeah. It was bizarre, man. I'm telling you. Um, man, you are. It was weird. It's no secret that I. Do you I, ever I, pour a little booze in them? No. In fact, that's what that's the whole point is if you're ever feeling like you need some booze, like you're feeling a little blue. And you want some booze to sort of kill the pain? Yeah. Italian ice is what I use instead. <laughs> I don't think. Because once you have an Italian, Italian ice, ice you, you just you, you lose the taste for alcohol for the rest of the night. Yeah. Trust me, my freezer right now full of Italian ice. All right. Let, the people can weigh in on Italian ices. How do they send the letters in? As always, send them to stuckinthees at tempe.com. What's up? Happening hot stuff. Ah, uh, by the sound of the gong, it must be time for mystery movie moment. And I swore last show that I wasn't going to do any more damn seggies until I got 30 people to write in and give us the right damn answers to the easiest two damn seggies I've ever given you, you out. Are, you are furious. You are furious. Oh, man. In How the old do? days, in the old days, we could throw out an impossible seggy. And I'd get 50 people who would write in with the answer. And this week, I give the two easiest ones in the history of Stuck Canadians, and nobody writes in. Are we too? Are we too removed no from the populace? Oh, now we we, we not only have seven stop. female listeners. Now we only have seven male listeners as well. <sighs> oh, that's not true at all. We have anyway, more listeners. Pay than attention. Ever. Here's the last damn Sega that no one cared about. We can't keep the baby, Kaya. We have to take her to the village council. Yeah, that's Willow. We have a lot of winners. Softball. Uh, winners include Red Letter Boxer of Georgia, Dan Venom Vey. I take credit for that. I get residuals. Ishmael in Kentucky, A-Rod, Kevin Wench, Salvatore A. Lardomita, Mark Ratcliffe in Lancaster, PA, Joe Belanger. Isn't it Joey Belanger? Vava Vumish Julie in Northern California, Jerry from Hilo, Hawaii, <laughs> and the big M, Monica in Olympia, who writes... Anybody who misses this one should be locked in a room with Spearsy after he's eaten a case of Funyuns and an Angus dog. Or worse, while he's in the process of eating them. That's very funny, That's Monica. Very, we very love funny. it. Ha ha. Pay attention. Here's this week's mystery moment. Is anybody out there? Is anybody out there? If you know it, email us at stuckingstempe.com and tune in next week to find out if you win some Funyuns. Please, please tell me. P-P-T-M-N. The glorious return of the forgotten Seggy. Steve, I'm going to let you field this question. Uh, this is from the legend, Steve McGlame. You know, McGlame used to be on my jock a lot about every action in my life Literally, on Facebook. Yeah. Um, he's, he kind of he begged off a little bit. Maybe he th- Is it because my life is just such a, 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 a swirling vortex of badness lately that people feel bad for me. Your life is like the ending of a Looney Tunes cartoon. Don't try to over. Don't try to make it more important than it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Steve McLean asks, "Hey, Steve, who's the guy that does the voiceover for the Tampa Bay Times ad that has that groovy wee tune? I love that tune. Sounds like my old Casio. Um, the guy here who does all the um, <clears throat> voiceover work at the beginning at the end of the show. That's David Peterkovsky." Um, one of our friends from Oakland. I yeah, believe. we love Peter Kofsky. Um, he has given us a lot. He sometimes he'll he'll send us all the intros are built by him. 
Um, there's like 17 different intros for the beginning of the show. Like, He's awesome. Yeah. And the band that does the um, music, that's Czech Battery Daily. That's a German band that heavy into synth. And uh, we, <laughs> we, found, we found their music on the web and we, we contacted them and we asked them um, if we could use it. And they said, sure. And every once in a while you'll hear Olive Bardenheimer. The oh, bard. really? That the is, bard? Yeah, he's from Czech Battery Daily. Oh, that's cool. So that's, How come you never, you never tell me anything? <laughs> what's the point? We're really, <laughs> come, on, little, the point? come on, come on, little one. One more seggy. Come on, <sighs> come on. Here we go. Hey, if you've got a, if you've got a question for us, uh, remember to email us at com. But remember, put PPTMN in the subject line. Ah, the mystical refrain of name that 80s tune. Hey, we'll play a segment of a song from the 80s. You can get it right. And if you send me your address, and if I can find some small boxes. It's a lot of ands, isn't it? <laughs> There's a lot of, yeah. So essentially, no one's getting anything. But we, would, might, we might send you some Funyuns. Yeah, I'll do it. Get, let let get me do box. it. You want to get some boxes? I'm about to put you on my shoulders. You know, I'm about to make a comeback. We'll see. Pay attention. Here was last show's epic tune. That's Be Near Me by the great ABC. Martin Fry. Represent! You should uh, interview him sometime. Did. Oh, really? I By missed myself. that show. Oh, no. I missed that show. It was an epic interview. Uh, we had a lot of winners here. They include Todd the Toad from H-Town, Chicago Neil, Kevin Roop, PC in Minnetonka, Tom in Hoboken, King Sejong the Great in Korea, The Stillinator in Harrisburg, PA, Derek Lane Waters in Michigan, Keith of Port Huron, <laughs> Huron, <laughs> doesn't matter. It's Keep in Michigan. It doesn't Keep matter. Ford here on Michigan. Gabriel D from the LV. Um, AWBC Jules. <laughs> and she's perky. And she's Peppy Annie in Louisville. Speaking of which, I don't know if we're going to do the Louisville trip this yeah, year. Yeah, it's starting to look grim. But are, are Jules and Peppy Annie both from Louisville? No, Jules is in uh, they, North Carolina. Are, the uh, Louisville, we had a lot. Of, we've had like maybe a half dozen friends of ours who who live in Louisville. I'm, I'm told it's only two syllables. By the way, it's Louisville, Louisville, Louisville. Lu- no, Louisville, Louisville, Louisville. Achmel, Achwell. I don't Louisville. Hey, those Louisville. are a lot. Of, you're too hard on our listeners. Those Louisville. are a lot of people. That, I know. I'm, I, I love them. I'm just saying. Oh man, right now finances really suck for us. Oh, you have no idea, man. The stuff we wish we could tell you that we can't tell you. Ugh, dark. <laughs> Give me Jeez. tell you nice. Jeez. <laughs> there you go. Uh, oh my god, <laughs> it looks like a mouse. Like a- I'm drawing pictures what's for Steve. With the, what's with the stream coming out of the I, I don't know what that is. Leave me alone. Tell the people how they can Neurologist. play in that eighties tune. Play another. No, no, no. Okay, pay, pay attention. Here's this week's. Non-sexually tinged 80s tune. If you know it, email us at stuckingsatempe.com. And you know what? Save that. We're going to send the winner <laughs> the Sean's Doodle of the Week. Great. I'm telling you. I'm going to get sued. It'd be better if a guy won this one. Less <laughs> less chance for... Uh, can Losses. I see that again? Why? Are you going to take a picture of it? That's just... <laughs> 
It's really disturbing. <laughs> How did the beans get over the Frank? <laughs> All right. Why are you drawing eyelashes on them? I don't know. I'm, I have problems, I man. There's a reason I don't want to see you do the <laughs> schwa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, Steve's doing a little dance. He's really having a good time. Oh, no. Oh, geez. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Hello. There are many ways to use the Bartles and James premium wine cooler. One lady in Massachusetts even uses it to make bread. Well, Ed suggests an even better idea is to use it as a topping. For example, as a topping for ice. This is quick and easy to do and will not only improve the flavor of ice considerably, but will make it more attractive as well. So if you're tired of having your ice just plain, add some Bartles and James. We hope you appreciate this suggestion and thank you for your support. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to surprise Sean here. I'm going to give you an ethics test. Awesome. Based on uh, these three movies. I had no idea this was coming. No. Uh, actually, I didn't either. I I'll just, answer honestly. We so. really just need to kill some time. I'll answer honestly. Okay. From Caveman, uh-huh. John Matusak um, obviously was a uh, former football player. Actually, sure. played here at the University of Tampa. Oh, I didn't know that. And um, went on to, to fame and then and then uh, switched over to acting. Um but was was hurt later in his career, obviously by um, his previous use of steroids. Um, if you're if you're an amateur athlete in the eighties, realizing that your best hope for a successful career uh, relies on your physical strength, would you have taken steroids? No, really, no. Wouldn't have affected your soccer career whatsoever. <laughs> no, with this foot, I'm kicking foot? a mile. You this walk one, around right. here like you've got like like you're a polio survivor. I can't believe you ever played what soccer. The, what? I don't get this. I don't get why you always have to doink my athleticism. I just never seen. Every it. week I go on TV and I do something athletic and, and whimsical. Whimsical and but athletic? No. Whether it's water okay, so no skiing, steroids. No steroids. I would not do steroids. No. Do you know anyone who did in the eighties? No. Well, that was a really good question. <laughs> I don't know where I come up with these ideas, but let's just keep them coming because people they're... can play at home. <laughs> yeah, they, people can play at home. They can fuel the letters. If someone out there took steroids, emails. I want to know how it went for you. Sob, yes. Uh, Richard Mulligan convinces his wife to to uh, to post topless to save his uh, floundering career. Yeah. Um, if you're a famous movie director, mm-hmm. um, and your movie and your movie career is going down the crapper, yeah, would you have done the same? Um, would you maybe yes. kind of hint? Yeah. Yes. You would have hinted. <laughs> I would have hinted if I thought I could like yeah get away with it and still do a good picture and make some money. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you were going to ask me one of the William Holden questions. Forget <laughs> it. No. <laughs> okay. Victory. The very end of victory. Um, before they play the game, mm-hmm. the uh, the French resistance has tunneled yeah. into their locker room, allowing them to escape at halftime if they so choose. They uh, they choose to go back out on the field and play the game. What would you have done? Um, I would. 
I'd probably make a run for it. I would make a run for it. Like you never, <laughs> you want to see my athleticism? You've never seen me run like I'm running from. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I probably would have made a run for it. I hate to say it, you yeah. know, sports glory. Mm. You know, it's not. I mean, I everybody back to the prison camp. Everybody afterwards. wants, yeah, fortune and glory, sports glory. I couldn't. Yeah, I gotta go, man. I need my freedom. Daily needs to fly. <laughs> Speaking of flies, so do we. All right. Hey, we promise that we will not wait two years before the next installment of 1982's Movie Busts. And we'll give you fair warnings ahead of time so you can give us your suggestions. Yeah, cool. 1982. We'll have a reader wild card entry. Oh, that'd be good. I like doing that. Kind and let's have – and, and these uh, – the, the seggies were pretty easy this week. So more letter writing. Yeah. You can write about anything. Crab cakes, ethical dilemmas. Get, oh, oh, oh. How about a new segment where you, the listener, ask us any sort of ethical question? And what will we do? Because I, uh, an- I answer honestly. I answer honestly. Yeah. I'm not afraid of, you know, of, of showing my true self. I bet people are going to – someone's going to come up with a question that we're going to have to lie. I bet they won't. I bet they will. All right. Let's do that. And then, I'll, then we'll – okay. And then we'll say one of these we're going to lie on. Yeah, and you because can go, we which can't, one we lied on. Because it could be something like, we, but it has to be an ethical dilemma. It can't be like an ethical question like, have you ever had yeah. sex with a giraffe? No, of course Don't not. Don't ask that <laughs> Yeah, you know, like, it can't be a crazy, because that's PPTM. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would fall under PPTM, but an ethical dilemma. That's PPTM. And it can be TMI. somewhat linked to the 80s or just for fun. If you have an ethical dilemma for, for Steve and I, yeah. send it along. In the meantime, Sean Daly, myself, Pele, Sylvester Stallone, and Michael Caine remain here, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is produced by the Tampa Bay Times and TampaBay.com. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for the music for the opening credits. Read our blog at tampabay.com slash blogs slash 80s. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast at iTunes. <laughs>